Hello, welcome into the Render Podcast. I'm your host, Cam, and I am so excited to get into an episode all about pricing, purchasing, and purging your inventory. We're going to talk a little bit about how and why we do price increases. We're going to talk about the logistics and the three or four step process of how we increase our pricing from why to how to um, implementing and getting it all on your website. And we're also going to talk a little bit about purging, why you need to purge some of your inventory and how to do that and what reports to look at specifically. Kaylee on my team is joining me today, and I'm so excited for you to hear the perspective of both of us and how we do this process. We also want to invite you to join our e-community. We send out an email every single week, just sharing some updates and some tips for your small business. And I know that you will see the benefit of it. So sign up with the link in our profile and we will see you in this episode. Thanks guys. Hey there, you're listening to the Render Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business leadership. After being in the events industry since 2010 and working with brands such as Nike, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Create and Cultivate, I became wildly passionate about education for small businesses. I teach others how to work with their dream clients, the mistakes I've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. podcast. We are so excited to be talking all things purging and purchasing, raising prices. Now is the season to be doing that. And as we gear up for events next year and being a whole lot of events next year, we need to look at our pricing again. It's been probably a year or two since you've looked at your pricing. I know it has been for us, especially with the pandemic from last year. You know, it was not a time to be raising pricing because we were just looking for business. And so now's the time to take a look at your pricing. It might be a good time for you to start raising your prices, but it also might not be. So this is a great episode for you to uh, bookmark and come back to when you are ready to do that. But Kaylee and I are going to talk through how we do this process. And we've done this process, gosh, probably three or four times over the years um, in more recent years. And so this is just a practice that we've continued to perfect a little bit more every time, and we're going to share how we do it. So Kaylee, why don't you introduce yourself for those who may start have listening to the podcast more recently? Well, hey there, friends. I'm Kaylee Goodall. I am the Chief Creative Officer at Render, and I also have a heavy hand in our event side of the business, and so um, I'm dealing with pricing and inventory and projects all day long. So I'm excited to kind of share what we've been doing over the past couple weeks of increasing our pricing and um, trying to get more of that profit so that we can be really impactful with our projects. Right. Something that I want to drive home right off the bat is that as people in business, our goal is to be profitable in business. Our goal isn't to give away all the things. If you're in business and it's not necessarily just a hobby, The point of running a business is to make money, to give those to your employees, to bless your community, to grow your business. That's the whole point of owning a business. And so right off the bat, I want you to kind of get rid of the ideas or the um, thoughts in your mind that might be hindering you from asking for more money or raising your prices right away. 
because the point, like I said, is to make money in business, not to just have fun and, you know, not make money at the end of the day. So just want to set the set the standard right there. Um, and then we also want to talk about before we get into kind of the how to and the logistics and why and all that, why do we need to raise prices? Well, the number one thing that I know raises prices and has always been a constant, not only just now, but has always been a constant, is that inflation happens. Prices raise. If you have been looking at the news or even social media for the last year and a half, you'll know that home prices, for example, have way increased. I just sold a home and I just got a listing or I, I sold the home for $50,000 over list price, which is crazy. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. And so that right there, we know that just increases in prices and inflation is happening. Um, new home builds, it's costing a lot to do that. And there's a reason why that's happening. A lot of it has to do with the cost of goods. So anything that you are purchasing, there's just a higher cost on that right now. Um, a good example of that is wood. So a new home to build, it's gonna be more expensive because it takes wood to create that house. And wood, just so y'all know, across the board, is three times more expensive than it typically is. So back in 2019, just a sheet of wood used to cost us about $30 or so. Right now it's like 80. It's crazy, it's so expensive. And so what that means for a rental company, a lot of what we do has wood in it. Your furniture probably has a wood base. Your backdrops probably have some sort of wood in it. Um, most of it's gonna be wood, but you might have some mechanics that are wood. Boxwood walls, those are wood. Bars, those are wood. I mean, a lot of things that we're having, unless you're doing dishware or linen, got a lot of wood in it. And so that's going to increase your pricing on that. Um, acrylic, that's more expensive. Shipping is more expensive. And so if you're ordering, whether it's overseas or whether you're ordering from Target or whether you're ordering really anywhere, it's more expensive. And so inflation right now is one of the most common things of why we need to be raising our prices. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, especially if you're new in this business, you are likely starting to grow your inventory. And so you're likely starting to add pieces to your inventory, you're sourcing new items, and you're going to see price increase as a standard for a lot of other places that you're sourcing your inventory from. And so if you are already spending a lot more on the cost of your goods of just purchasing, then your pricing for renting is going to need to increase too. And I think labor is also a really big conversation here is that labor costs are going up significantly. You know, the cost of living is super expensive now and it doesn't really matter where you are, that's increasing on a standard, just inflation in general is causing that. And so um, in order for us to pay our staff well, in order for us to actually make a profit on our projects and have our staff paid for those projects, we have to increase either our labor cost or we have to increase our product cost or you can increase both and it kind of level out. So it's not some significant increase on that one service here. So where your service fees are ridiculous and your product is super cheap, you do it on a standard basis. So it feels cohesive along the whole line. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we were talking about home prices, that goes for apartments. It goes for so many things. Yeah. If you look at food, food is more expensive right now. And so That's just crazy. really anything you look at is more expensive. And so 
Um, that goes for the same for everything else. Yeah. Well, and this is also something that's very normal for businesses to do. It's not right. just the time that we're in. So the, what's great about this conversation is, is, yes, we're affected by the pandemic and COVID and um, just the change that's happened over the last year. But we have been increasing our prices minus last year. We were increasing our prices every year because of just that's the flow of business. You know, you get more into a streamline. Your business should be growing each year. And so that is just kind of a natural flow for your business and the profits that you have. Right, right. Back when we started the company, our sofa rentals were anywhere from about 75 to about 150 at max. And looking back, I'm like, why? Why was it that? But that was the norm. That was what everyone was charging for those because prices were very low back then. And so if we look back 10 years ago, of course our pricing was lower because things were different back then. Right now, if I were to have something on my website for a sofa for $75 to $150, people would laugh at it and think something's wrong with it. Yeah. It'd be like completely damaged. We might as well sell the product at that point. But just that that example, and most of our sofas right now are hitting about three fifty to four hundred, um, some a little bit more than that as well. And so just a, a difference of cost. We didn't go from a hundred dollars for a sofa to four hundred dollars overnight. We didn't do it in one year either. And so it's a gradual incline of your prices. And so if you're listening to this episode right now, and you say, "Well, my sofas are seventy five to one hundred fifty." I'll tell you right now that you're probably able to raise your prices significantly more. Nowadays, they probably shouldn't be that low. Um, of course, that depends on where you're at in the world um, and what your market holds there. Yeah. However, you likely can get away with a little bit more than that. Um, so when you start, don't necessarily think that you have to start at the $100 mark. Don't necessarily uh, think that you have to start super, super low. Um, it goes back, and I know that we've had an episode in the past, and we'll link it in our show notes, that we've talked about the way that we price our items. And it's my main rule is the three to five rule. And so if your cost is more expensive right now, then your rental price is going to be more expensive. And so that three to five rule real quick is that you take whatever you purchase or you make the product for, if you can rent it three to five times before you start making a profit, that's a good margin to stay within. And so if your pricing or if your cost to buy that piece is more expensive than it was 10 years ago, of course your price is going to be more. And so um, all of that to say it all goes together, whether you're pricing things for the first time or you're increasing pricing, you do have to take into effect um, all of the costs that have to do with that item. I'd like to touch just for just like a really quick second, just from a brand perspective and a consumer perspective. So let's say you are starting to price your inventory out for the first time, or let's say your pricing is really, really low. Think about if you were to walk into a store um, and there was two identical items sitting right next to you. So let's say you're looking at a coffee maker. Okay. And there's one coffee maker that costs this amount. So let's say it costs $50. And then this coffee maker right over here costs $150. And you're looking at them and they look, they look the same. They have similar features, but I don't know about you, but my mind, as soon as I'm looking at these two items, I'm thinking through, okay, if, if they have the exact same features, if they look very similar, 
um, and their pricing is so off, there has to be something wrong with the $50 one. I mean, there has to be, yes, maybe I'll, I'll be able to get it for $50 now, but I'm likely going to have to, in maybe a couple months, buy another $50 coffee maker because of how it's priced and it's, it's cheap. You know, it, the product is probably not as good of quality as the $150 one. So if I were just to spend a little bit more on the $150 one, I'll be a lot more satisfied with my purchase and my product. So if you think about it from that perspective, and then you also think about it from your product um, and your rentals, your clients are probably doing the exact same thing. So it's really important, one, to be doing market research on the other rental companies around you and looking at what they're pricing and how they're pricing. And if somebody's pricing something significantly lower than what you know based on the knowledge that you have of the three to five rule and what product costs and all of that, and they're just trying to make a buck on their product, sure, maybe they'll, they're making a lot of money on their product, but they're probably renting out their piece a ton of times. And so the product quality is probably significantly lower than your new piece of inventory. And so that's kind of how I like to think about our pricing and how like I like to think about our product is that our pricing kind of silently communicates our standard of quality to our clients. They know by coming to our inventory, looking at all of the pieces, looking at the pricing, our pricing shouldn't be like scary to them because at that point, then they're probably thinking, well, I could probably just buy this piece or because it is a rental item, you know, you want to price it relatively well for being a rental. Um, but still, you want your pricing to show off the standard of quality and care and just your brand standards. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you can't. You can't say that you're going to buy a sofa for $1,500 and then go rent it for $1,500 because your client can go buy that. But you also don't want to buy a $1,500 sofa and rent it for $100 either. Because one, it's going to take you forever to make your money back on that, let alone make a profit. Sure. But two, just like what you're saying, it's going to communicate to your clients that you just don't value that piece very much. Um, you don't take care of it maybe as well as you would a $400 sofa off of a $1,500 buy. Or that they shouldn't care for your sofa. Oh, exactly. Yeah, they're like, oh, it's just a $100 sofa. Like, it's fine. I can spill wine or put crumbs on it or something like that. It's just $100. Whereas a $400 sofa, you're going to be like, please don't sit on that sofa with yeah. your wine because it's $400. Right. See the difference there? I mean, there's like a huge difference. Yeah. And if you're going to be pricing out, out at $100, and you rent it out five times in a month, imagine the cleaning costs that you have to now incur on top of the low price sofa that you just are renting out, but the amount of damage that could happen and stains because of the lack of a care, because it's just $100. And yes, $100 is a lot of money, but if you compare a $400 sofa to a $100 sofa, the care and the value that your client is putting into that piece is vastly different. Again, the profit is vastly different as well. Once you yes. pay off that sofa, you are now making $400 instead of $100. Right. I mean, that right. is a huge difference. Right. And then your cost to maintain that product as well. $100 sofa, if it's coming back with dirt and damage and crumbs and just you have to clean it every single time, you're putting one, maybe 30 minutes into cleaning, plus the product to clean it, plus the vacuum, 
all that costs a lot of money. Whereas a sofa that's $400, you might have 15 minutes just doing a quick, you know, lint roll over it and putting it back on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're eating into your cost. So not only are you renting it for $100, but then you probably have $25 to $30 of cost to maintain the product every single time as well. Where the $400 sofa, you're making the $400 and maybe you have $10 of cost of goods to maintain the product. And so there's a huge difference between your profit margin between the um, maintenance of your sofa, between the quality, the value that your clients put into it, and the value that you even put into your own sofa too. A $400 sofa for rent, I'm going to take care of that baby more than I will maybe a $100 sofa for the exact same thing. And so just across the board, having value and understanding your product is really, really important which is why we're having this conversation in the first place. (laughs) We also want to say another reason why we should look at our pricing or how often we should look at our pricing is going to be at least once a year, if not maybe twice a year. Um, There's certain things that take an effect. For example, a pandemic. We're probably not going to raise our prices during a pandemic, but we certainly did look at our prices in the midst of the pandemic. I don't know if you remember, Kaylee, maybe month or two months into the pandemic, we looked at our pricing and lowered a few things because we needed to book business and people couldn't afford to have rentals because of the pandemic and being laid off from jobs and all that. And so there was a reason why we needed to lower some of our pricing back in 2020, whereas now we're back to raising our pricing again. And so sometimes when we look at our pricing, not necessarily is it every single time going to be a price increase, But based on what's going on in the world, it could be a price decrease as well. So another good rule of thumb is make sure you look at your pricing at least once a year, if not sometimes twice a year, just based on what's going on in the world and what's going on in your business. And, you know, if you hire on a whole bunch of new people, you're going to have to make up for that somehow. And so you might have to increase your pricing if you... um, you know, dwindle down your your employees, or if you have a smaller staff, then you might not have to do huge price increases. So there's multiple reasons why we do this. Um, but looking at just a good rule of thumb, mark in your calendar once a year at least. Go through your pricing. I do recommend doing this in a slower season. Um, it's a little bit harder to do in a busy season. Um, it's a very busy season for us right now as a company. However, we did just raise our prices because we do know that next year is going to be even busier. And if we don't do it now, we're not going to be able to do it because we're just going to increase in busyness, especially here in Texas. Events are crazy bonkers right now. And so if you can find a time of the year, if you've been in business for a year or two and you can uh, kind of look at your year and say, you know, in this month, I'm a little bit slower and this month I'm super busy. Try to find a month that um, seems achievable to actually look at your pricing and make the adjustments needed. Yeah, and I'd give yourself about generously three weeks, if it's just you, maybe a whole month of just one, taking the step of the first step is to look at your pricing. And we'll get into this in just a second, but looking at, looking at your pricing, 
planning for the increase and then actually implementing the implementation of your pricing can take a long time. Also going through each price takes a long time too. And so just note that it's probably depending on your inventory size and the scale of your team. Cam and I are the ones doing it on our team. So we had two heads to kind of do it together, but it still took us several weeks to kind of refine and go through and have conversations and really build out what we wanted it to look like. Um, But I would say also if, yes, only start looking at your pricing at least once a year or twice a year, but constantly be looking at other people's pricing throughout the year. Don't just look at somebody else's pricing right when you get ready to look at Mm -hmm. increasing your pricing. And when I say look at other people's pricings, I mean your competitors. Um, But I would I am constantly looking at our competitors' websites to see what they're pricing, what um, our competition looks like. And I say our competition, we don't really have competition. There's enough business in Dallas for everyone. Um, But our community of rental people here in Dallas are pricing at all these different levels. And so I want to know where everyone's at so that if I need to source something, which we source things for our clients all the time, I have knowledge very quickly to know, oh, okay, they charge this. This is what, this is going to be competitive with what we are charging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And this isn't an excuse to go submit um, quotes with your competitors that are fake quotes and you're just trying to like figure out their pricing. Yeah, please don't do that. When, we hate it when people do that to us and they ghost us and we're like, well, are they actually a client or are they not? I know that was a really big thing a few years ago that people were ghosting each other and going in secret shopping each other. This isn't a secret shopping thing. This is a look at your community because first of all, if you're charging $400 for a sofa and Joe Schmo down the street is charging $200 for a sofa, you are way outpriced on that. Um, Or say you're charging $400 sofa and Joe Schmo's doing $600 for a sofa, then you're way underpriced. And so you want to know, you want to take a pulse of what is going on in your area. And again, here in Dallas, Texas, it's going to be completely different than in my examples that I do in our teaching. New York City is going to be completely different than here in Dallas, Texas. And in Longview, Texas, it's going to be very different than here in Dallas, Texas as well. And so we have to look at where we're at. In New York City, it's going to cost way more for a warehouse there. The price of labor is way more the cost of goods is way more because if you're in the city, there's probably not a Home Depot just down the street like there is here in uh, Texas. And so you're going to have to travel further to get to a Home Depot when your pricing is also probably going to be increased there because it's harder to get it to the city. And so in New York City, there is a huge increase on just the overhead of expense for a rental company there. Versus here. And same thing with a small town like Longview or College Station or um, any of these tiny little cities in Texas. There's a lot of them. It's very different there because like for here, our rent is much higher than someone who has the exact same building in Longview, Texas. Completely different areas, completely different costs. And so you do have to look at what your area is like. You can't be in Longview, Texas, listening to this podcast and saying, well, I need to charge, you know, X, Y, Z for my sofa because Render Events is doing that in Dallas. Well, we have a completely different set of expenses here 
than you might have in a smaller city or a bigger city. And so just keep that in mind as we get into this conversation that you do need to look at your area in your community of people. Um, and it's not a excuse to go secret shop. It's not an excuse to ghost people on this. Um, you can pick up the phone and call them. You can look on their website if they post their um, post their prices on there. We know some of the people who don't post their prices, what some of their prices are just based on as a business, we source a lot of um, product as well. And we're actually paying for that product. It's not that we are um, looking to ghost them and do a fake quote. We actually are quoting things because we actually have to use them for clients. And so um, just want to make sure that that's very clear. Please don't go and make enemies with your community. Um, that's not a good thing to do. All right, let's get into really the logistics of how do we do this? What is the best process? You touched a little bit already on the very first step, which is looking at your pricing. And so there's a few ways to do this, depending on where you're at in your business journey. You might not have a software yet. You might be relying on an Excel spreadsheet, which I did for a very long time. So please don't take this and, say, and think that we've never done that. I did an Excel spreadsheet from 2010 when I started to 2016. For six years, I did spreadsheets in Google Sheets. To, I did, we didn't even have Google back then. We had Microsoft Word and Excel spreadsheets to do everything in business. I don't think we could operate that way anymore. No. And so we have software now to do that. So if you are starting your, your business, or if you have not started yet, um, know that it is completely fine to start there. We all, most of us in the event business that have been around for a long time, we started there because we couldn't afford the fancy softwares or they just weren't even around back then. Um, but know that it's okay to start there. And so what we need to do first is look at our pricing currently as it stands right now. And so you're gonna do that if you do have a software there's probably gonna be some sort of a report on there. Um, we use Good Shuffle Pro, and so they have some really great reporting on that. Um, I know RW Elephant does reporting as well, Tapgoods does reporting as well, and so there's lots of rental softwares that people utilize who listen to this podcast. But the very first step is to download a report of all of your items and the price that you rent it for, and that's your like minimum baseline. If you can also pull in the price that you paid for that item, or if you have multi-day pricing, or if you have cost of goods on it to maintain the price, anything that you can pull um, is very well aided in this conversation. Yeah. Number of times it's gone out, the amount of money that you've made off of the product. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 As much information as you can pull is best. If you don't have a report to pull some of the things that you might want to see on this, is like we said, the item name, how much you purchased it for, the rental price, how much it's made so far, how many times it's gone out, um, how much it has, how many times it's gone out. Like if you have four of a, of a piece, does one go out more often than all four or does two go out more often than all four? Kind of understanding if you have multiple quantities, what is the most common um, amount that goes out at one time? And then if you do have multiple quantities, how often does all of those uh, pieces go out at the same time? Um, so those are good things to kind of understand as well, because when we talk about purging in a second, those are going to be very, very important to look at. 
So those are the very, that's the very first thing that you want to do is download some sort of a report on your inventory. Kaylee, why don't you go into our second step? Yes. So after you have your report and you have all that information in front of you, um, you're going to want to look at what your pricing was and start thinking through what your increase is going to be. So how Cam and I did this this year and years past, I'm a visual person. And so we would literally like walk through the warehouse. We would have our report. We'd walk through the warehouse. We'd look at all the pieces. We'd say, okay, this. like like Someone had their computer and someone had like a spreadsheet on a clipboard. Yes. And we'd be writing it down and looking around. It was, it was good, but not as efficient as it could have been. So this year, what we did was Cam and I sat in a room together. She, we both had the spreadsheet up and we had the, um, we had all of them listed at their categories. So they're all categorized together. Um, and we looked at each item line by line. And what we did was with Good Shuffle, we have the ability to price our inventory by the day, um, by a three-day rental, a weekly rental, and a monthly rental. And so what we did was we looked at our day pricing um, and we readjusted our day pricing for each item. And then from there, we calculated what we wanted, the three-day rental, the um, weekly rental and the monthly rental for every single piece. And we imported those pieces into, or those new prices into our spreadsheet on every single item. We have over 400 items in our inventory. And so it was a very long process of kind of dialoguing back and forth of this is what we charge based on this item. I know the normal cost of goods or the standard pricing in our in our um, community is this amount. Um, do we want to um, increase by this much or how are we going to increase? And so there was a lot of conversation about, okay, this, this cost and this cost and this cost. Uh, and so we did that for all 400 pieces. Yeah. And like she said, we had to take into effect other costs. So we just added some backdrops to our inventory and we priced them a little bit higher for the very first rental um because to offset the cost of it like we said wood is three times the price right now and so it would normally cost me a hundred dollars to create a this is just an example if it cost me a hundred dollars to make a backdrop 2018 and 2019 it's now costing me about 300 dollars. that's a big increase and that's just like an example of pricing that's not the actual pricing it's quite a bit more um and so that being said we charged a little bit more for the very first one to offset that cost. And so certain pieces we had to decrease our cost because we said, you know, it's not, you know, we don't have to rent it for that much anymore. And based on kind of all things accounted for, it may have rented a little bit less often if we had it continued at that higher price. And so that's why it's so important to factor in how many times it's going out how long have you had it in your inventory? What's the quality of the product as well? Um, that factors into a lot as well. Um, and there might be certain things that you need to keep the same price for a long time, like the pillows, for example. Some of our smaller items, I don't think we touched those prices. We looked at them, uh, certainly we looked at them, but we didn't touch those prices because we said, you know what, $15 for a pillow is still very streamline. I don't think we need to raise those to 20 and I don't think we need to lower them to 10. Um, And so we kept those the same. And so there are certain pieces that you're going to keep the same 
just based off of the, you know, quality of it and based off of the uh, amount of uses and when it goes out. But there could be reasons why you need to increase and decrease your items. Yeah. Cam, do you want to talk about kind of our thought process and how we increased our pricing, kind of how we got to different numbers and then kind of a few different ways that people can increase their pricing? Yes. So you can either do a across the board percentage based um, raise, which is probably the easiest way to be completely honest with you, because you can just say 10% across the board is how we're raising prices and go off of that. So if you are super, super busy, you know you need to raise prices, you just don't have the time to put into raising your prices, that might be a good option for you. And you can try it and certainly see if that works for you. But if you have low amount of time, low amount of um, staff to be able to do this, but high amount of rentals, this might be a good option. So percentage base is the base option of how you can do that. And then there's also the per item um, and based on usage and based on the, the quality of the product. That's how we did it is we went line by line and did per item. Now we were able to do that because we have a staff to be able to do that. And so if you are on your own and you are very busy, this might not be the best use of your time in the long run because you do need to get those bookings under you, but you might be able to grow into the um, idea of per item um, upcharging. And so when we went through each of them, we typically have put our pricing at like a um, even number or like a five, like a five at the end of it or a zero at the end of our numbers, I think on every single thing that we've done. Mm -hmm. And so what we decided to try this time, and um, I think has been a good rule of thumb so far based on when we raise pricing and how we're booking things right now, is that we changed the pricing to be just under what we our ideal price was and end it with a seven. And so why did we do that? Um, I um, am a mastermind student of a um, guy named Brendan Bouchard, and he's a very smart businessman. I learn a lot of my education side of my business um, knowledge from him. He's incredible. And he has this theory that says if you end a price in the number seven versus the number nine or zero or five, I hope you're sticking with me here. But if you end your price, so let's say you ideally want something priced at $400. If you put it at $399, it has a little bit more likelihood of you renting that piece or buying that piece. If you put it at $195, there could be a reason that they do it um, that is more than the $400. But if you put it at $197, it triggers something in your brain that says it's a good buying decision and that you're saving money. And this is a theory that he has and it's worked across the board on so many things. And so we did that with our pricing. So if we wanted something at $400, we changed it to be $397. If we wanted something to be um, $100, we either went with a 105 or a 97. And so we flip-flopped a couple uh, prices across the board just to kind of test the theory out. And so far, it's been a good decision for us. And so um, we learned that from Brenda Bouchard. This is not Cam's way of doing this. I am borrowing this idea. Um, and so we decided to raise our prices to a level 
and then adjust the actual price based on this seven rule or ending your number in seven rule. And so that's kind of how we looked at our pricing. Um, and let's talk a little bit about multi-day pricing because there's rental companies that do this very differently across the board. Um, and your software is also going to be a factor in this as well, how you book your clients. This is also going to be a factor because there's certain softwares that allow you to do certain ways of multi-day and some that don't give you those options at others. And so you do have to look at your software to see what your software actually can do. Um, but there's a few different ways. We've seen percentage-based uh, charging for rentals. We've seen per day. Um, we've seen a multiplier based on how many days it is. There's so many different ways. Kaylee, will you tell them a little bit about how we have done multi-day um, maybe back in the former times of our business, what we were doing maybe a few months ago and what we've decided to do moving forward? Yes. Like everything in business, we've tried multiple different things. We have tried all of the above. And it's important to note that you should try a lot of things yeah. in business. See what sticks. Definitely take, definitely take our lessons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> lessons, failures, you could use either word. Um, and what we've learned in the past and kind of base some of your decisions on maybe some things that took us a little bit longer to figure out. Yeah. But it also is really good to change things up and to figure out one way of doing it. Does it work for you? Does it not work for you? And if it doesn't, let's figure out another way to do it. So what Kaylee just said of, hey, we've tried multiple things. That's a good thing, not something to be ashamed by at all. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and business changes too. I mean, your clients change, the requests that you get change. When we started out mm -hmm. doing multi-day, the only reason we added multi-day and those multiple different pricing is because Good Shuffle allowed us to. And so within Good Shuffle, it gives you the option to price daily, gives you the option to price by multiple days, um, gives you the option to price by percentage and all of these different um, configurations of pricing, which kind of widen this door of, oh, should we be charging multi-day? We hadn't really needed to do it whenever we started with Good Shuffle. Um, if we did, there was like one or two clients who wanted it for like a three-day period. And then we were like, oh, we'll just we'll just up the pricing uh, manually. And we'll just think about, you know, if it's cost this, then we'll just increase here. Um, and so we started out by charging pricing for multi-day by essentially taking the daily rate and then just multiplying it, multiplying it by two, multiplying it by two, multiplying it by two, and getting to the monthly rate, which um, our monthly rates were reasonable based on the time that they were spending with the item, based on the actual like day rate, but they were significantly higher. Like we're talking like a sofa was in the 6,000s, 5,000s for a monthly, which whenever you really break it down, after you do the math, it really isn't that significant of a cost. But for our clients, it was sticker shock. I mean, it was like whenever we would send a quote or somebody wanted something for a month, they were like, we can't do this. And we would have to talk to them about, well, the reason this is charged this way is because you're taking it out of our inventory for 30 days. Um, and we're just trying to cover the cost of that. And, you know, this is what it costs. <laughs> so we started doing it that way. And 
the more we started getting more clients who needed things for week longs or um, needed things for month longs, the more I was having to manually go in and adjust and look at the pricing and discount and kind of just based off of my knowledge and based off of, you know, kind of honestly, like what fit the client's budget, we would kind of budge and change. Um, and it was just getting to a place where it wasn't really efficient for a team because now we have multiple people doing sales on our team. So it's not just one person just making the decision. And so we transitioned over a few months ago to doing um, percentage based and we were charging percentages for um, three day rentals, weekly rentals, two week rentals, monthly rentals. And what we found, they were taking the percentage of um, the day rate and we were making absolutely nothing off of that percentage. Like we're talking maybe a hundred dollars, $200. And so whenever you start to think through that, you're like, well, like that's not really covering costs at all. They're getting something significantly um, cheaper than what they're actually paying for, you know? And so we started thinking through, okay, well, this just, this isn't really working and it's confusing because, um, there's all these different multiple layers and you kind of have to figure it all out. And so basically what we decided as we were increasing our pricing was, Hey, it makes the most sense for us to charge by those certain time frames, but we just need to adjust how we increase those. And so we looked again, we looked at our um, day rate and then we started to increase those pricing in a way that it wasn't this significant double, 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 double to where it's thousands of dollars. It got to a place where it was more affordable to have a monthly rate. Um, and now it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so again, a lot of that's going to depend on your software. I know that there's other rental softwares that don't have the option of doing the one day, three day, weekly and monthly rental rate. And so definitely talk to your software company and talk to some of their people on their team um, to see what they see with their own clients, the other rental companies that are also utilizing their software, and then what they are set up to do as well. So um, definitely heavily rely on your software to kind of give you some of that information um, use it as a resource, not a solution. Um, and then decide what you want to do for your business. Most softwares, you can really kind of do whatever you want to do. Um, and you just make adjustments on your end of that. So definitely look at your software and see what you can do there. So once you have kind of figured out all the pricing and all the structure and just this is really key here. You want to make sure that you're doing all of that adjustment and thinking through all of that pricing on a spreadsheet, even if you have it that where you can implement it into a software, you want to have all of the ideas and like taking the time to spend figuring out the new pricing on a spreadsheet. So then you can implement into your software, because if you start doing it all within your software, and simultaneously, you're sending quotes, your client or your um, other sales team is sending quote, quotes, then your pricing is going to be just like all over the place. And honestly, based on experience, you can get decision fatigue on what your new pricing should be. And so it might take you a few days to price out the new structure. And then honestly, it's going to probably take you a few days to implement depending on how much inventory you have. And so one step that we made sure that we communicated in this process was, hey, 
we are going to be working internally on what our pricing structure is going to be. And we are going to send out an email to all of our current clients who have pending proposals. And we're going to let them know, hey, we are getting ready to increase our pricing. Um, we are, we can honor your current pricing until X day. We gave them about a two week period and said, we, um, are going to honor your pricing until this time. And then on the following week, it's going to automatically adjust to your new pricing. Um, and so that one let our clients gave them a healthy expectation of what was coming. Um, we communicated with them. We let them know, you know, we, increased due to inflation and just increases in the business. And um, it also turned out a lot of confirmed orders because they wanted to secure those pricings. And so if you're in a place where you are kind of a little bit slower, but you have a lot of quotes out, this might be a good strategy for you to secure some of those bookings, um, especially if you have them for next year um, and they're just being really slow to book with you. This could be a really great strategy for kind of landing those clients. Um, but what I did from there was we took our spreadsheet and I spent three days going through and manually putting in all of the new pricing for every single item. And I let our sales team know, hey, I'm just going to let you know I'm working on these pricings. I'm trying to get these done as soon as possible so that all of your pricing makes sense and is standard um, for all of your clients, but it is going to take me a little bit of time because we do have a lot of inventory. While I was putting in all of the new pricing, it was the perfect time for me to review all of our inventory statistics and data and all of that. And so I made sure um, that every single item had a description. If it didn't have a description, I assigned a task to our marketing team to write descriptions for each item that didn't have a description. I made sure all of our dimensions were correct. And um, we had included all of the amount of money that we spent to acquire the product so that we can go back and have smart buying decisions later or um, just smart tracking decisions. And so if there was a dimension off, I assigned it to our warehouse team um, to go and get those dimensions and upload them. And then I looked through every single item and I made sure that there was a secondary image or a third image of it at a real event. And so it took me a long time. I think it took me about three or four days to go in and do all of those steps, but it was well worth it because now all of our pricing is consistent. All of our imagery is consistent. Um, people can see and they can actually read about what the product is like and what it looks like and how it can be used at an event. And so our website is way more user-friendly than it was two weeks ago. Right. And that's really good to go through at least once a year because you're going to get new photos of your products at events. And perhaps you uploaded a, a photo a year ago that was a really great photo at the time, but now you have a better photo for that. Or maybe when you added the product, you know, six months ago, maybe the something didn't get added, like the dimensions or something else. And so that's just a really good time to come through and just assure it's a lot of data like a spreadsheet, a, a budget sheet is a lot of data. So is all your inventory. It's just a big data sheet inside of a software if you're utilizing one. And so it's just really good to make sure that those are correct so that next year in the following year and the following year and the following year that you have those good stats to go on. Um, Kaylee mentioned having it in an Excel spreadsheet. This is super, super important. So you can go back a few years ago and say, hey, we originally had this price at this 
then we increase it to this, then we increase it to this versus, hey, what did we increase that to back in 2018 or 2019? I can't remember what we did because your software isn't going to keep that old price in there. And it's probably not going to be in an archive anywhere in your side, inside your software. So you want this spreadsheet so that you can go back and remember what you were doing on that if it comes up that you need that information. Right. It's just good to have that data stored somewhere inside your drive or inside your Dropbox or wherever you store all of your all of your backend stuff. For sure. So don't just do it through your software. Also do it on Excel spreadsheet um, or Google spreadsheet or I'm sure there's other options out there nowadays. Um, and then Kaylee also mentioned communicating with your team as well when you're implementing because this process can take a while. Even if it's just a day or two, it's still some time that it's going to take you. So if you have a team, it's just good to communicate with them. Hey, I'm in the midst of doing this. This might affect you and your work. Um, and so just being high in communication with those who this is affecting is very, very important. Um, and don't pressure yourself to get it done so quickly either. If you need more time to do it because you're riding solo and you don't have a team, by all means, take your time doing it. Um, this is, shouldn't be too much of a rush uh, process, especially if you're doing it item by item. If you're doing percentage based, it shouldn't be shouldn't be as long of a tedious process. But um, don't pressure yourself. Don't don't feel like you have to get it done in two seconds. It can take a little bit of time, and that is certainly okay. We don't want you to stress yourself out about it, but it does need to be done. Um, all right, let's move into other things that we might need to increase prices on as well. So a lot of this episode has been product-based increases, but we do need to also look at our service fees and just any other fee that you um, look at across the board. Um, inside Rental Biz Academy, which is our signature online course, I actually teach our students I think 19 or 20 different fees that you can and that are um, being utilized by rental companies throughout the world. Not that you have to have 20 uh, fees in your in your business. We certainly don't have 20 fees that we charge. We probably have, what would you say, maybe 10 at max that are options yeah. to to charge. Three or every order has yeah yeah three that are standard, but we have maybe up to 10 that are like one offs mm -hmm. for certain circumstances. But right. I teach you about 20 different fees that you could charge in your uh, in your business inside of Rental Biz Academy, highly recommend checking it out. Um, but if you have fees as well, which you should, don't have a business without other fees, we might need to look at what the increase should be for those as well. Um, there are certainly standard ways that people charge for these uh, things, such as your delivery fees, your install fees, your mileage fees, the damage waiver fees. Those are some pretty uh, standard ones. Um, and so if your price of labor is going up or your price of um, maintenance might be going up or prices of other things outside of the product itself are going up in inflation, then it might be good to look at your additional fees and how we increase those. So for example, if it costs you more to maintain your product, your damage fee might need to increase just slightly. If your labor and what you charge or what you pay your hourly staff to work goes up, you might need to increase your labor charges. 
if the price of gas, for example, goes up, you might have to increase your mileage uh, fees. There's a lot of different things that you do need to consider in your business outside of just the product-based items, but there's also a ton of other things that are in your business that you have to take a look at. Side note, something very interesting. Um, Good Shuffle actually just did a poll of our all of their users on the most common way that people are charging for their service fees. And they did, um, the options were they, you do a flat rate fee plus mileage. You do a percentage of your um, product total or your order total, or you just do like a flat rate um, charge. And the most popular and most common one was doing the flat rate um, charge plus your mileage, which uh, is what we do. And so I thought that was very interesting. Yes. Yeah, there's so many different ways that you can charge for um, all of your labor and your service fees, but figuring out what your cost is before you start looking at your fees is really important. You can't just look at all your um, other people in your community and what they charge for those fees and just say, well, I'm going to do that because they might have a different side of expenses associated with those fees than you do. Every single business is different. If you replicated our exact same business and put it in Houston, it would be a different set of ways that we do it in Houston versus here because it's different expenses, it's different areas, it's different location, even if you take the exact same business. And so you do need to look at what your business and your location and your community is doing and what your expenses are before you charge your fees. Because it's gonna be different across the board, especially in different sizes of cities too. Like we said, in New York, in Dallas, in Longview, those are very different types of areas. And so the price of gas, I'm sure is probably above $5 a gallon in New York, maybe more. I don't know. I don't live there for a reason. Um, Not only because of the Yankees, which by the way, they lost the other night. Thank goodness. But um, anyways, side note, there's a lot of difference in all of the areas that we're in. So just take that into consideration. Um, All right, the last thing that we're gonna get into on this episode, if you've made it this far, we've been recording for a long time, it's very exciting, but it's very important that we touch on purging your inventory. Now this is where, when we talked about in the very beginning of this episode, understanding not only the prices and how much you paid for the product, but how many times it goes out, This is really, really important. Haley, do you want to jump into this one? Yeah, I mean, if Cam always talks about if something is in your warehouse and it's not making you money, then it is not paying rent. Um, It is not utilizing the space well that is sitting on and you could probably have something else in its place that that could be generating you income and paying back what it should be paying you. Um, and so there are often times where, you know, we do, we look at our inventory and how it's churning out more than just once a year. When we look at our pricing, we're looking at this probably quarterly, I'd say, um, and just keeping a pulse on like what's going out, what's, you know, what's kind of happening. And if there are some seasons where, we are kind of a little bit slower and things aren't churning out as much. We'll start looking at our inventory again to see, okay, what marketing strategies can we change up? Like where, how can we be pushing um, this piece? Or if it's, it's something that we talked about several times before, then that's the point where we're like, okay, 
we finally just need to put this, like it, it needs to go away. Um, and so pricing, like when you're going through your pricing, this is the most strategic time for you to look at purging inventory. Um, but you should be looking at this throughout the entire year because it's just a good business strategy on making sure that all of your products are being rented and um, you're making the most amount of profit that you can on the pieces that you have. And so one of the ways that we purge pieces is we will um, sell them on Facebook market. Um, we'll reach out to our clients and let them know, Hey, we're selling these pieces. Does anybody, you know, want them or does anybody want to purchase them? Or we'll reach out to other rental companies and say, Hey, we have this bulk amount of inventory items that, we are selling. Um, do you want to purchase in bulk from us? Or um, sometimes we'll do, uh, we've done in the past, we've done like in-person warehouse sales where people will come in, um, we'll market it and it'll be this whole thing where it's like a garage sale, but in your warehouse. Um, but most recently we've been doing a lot of Instagram sales where we'll take, a if we have a lot of pieces that we're selling um, or even just a good amount of pieces that we're selling. We'll post them on Instagram and um, try to turn them out that way. Yeah. And two things that I will mention through this purging process is one, we just came out of a really, really slow year. And so when you're polling how often something went out, do take that with a grain of salt of last year, that product may not have gone out as much as it did in 2019. And that's okay. It may need a little bit more time to make that decision on. Um, but also the pandemic started about a year and a half, almost two years ago. And so trends back from pre-pandemic to now perhaps changed. And so if you have items in your inventory that you had pre-pandemic, maybe take a look at are those things that are rentable again? Are people still liking that style or has the style changed as well? And so um, to kind of take both of those ideas as you're looking through this purging process um, don't just purge something because it hasn't rented in the last year and a half we also went through a pandemic so clearly things weren't renting as much last year um, so definitely make sure of that and then as always we talk about when we purge things perhaps it doesn't necessarily need to be purged maybe it needs to be taken with a different photo if you have a crappy photo of an item perhaps it's not renting because people don't know what it looks like so maybe look at retaking the photo, renaming it. Maybe um, I'm going to give this example. <laughs> so there is an association here, local um, pre like Taliban and stuff called ISIS. And it stood for international um, like sales and events or something like that uh, association. Well, then there was a terrorist group called ISIS that started. So they had to change the group from ISIS to ILEA. And so not saying that you have something in your inventory that is like terrorism like that, but you could have something named something that might offend someone or might um, be politically incorrect, or it might be something that prohibits someone from, from buying or renting from you because of something, the way that it's named, the name it's, uh, the way it's or, priced. Yeah. Like or that. it just may not describe the product well, you know, like. Yeah what you thought automatically was a good name for the mm -hmm. product could just be very confusing for a client, you know, if it's... Or a use for a product as well. Yeah. You might have bought something that's really great as a cake stand, but perhaps people don't even use it as a cake stand. Maybe they use it as a riser. 
And so your descriptive word of your item needs to be changed. Maybe the common thing to call a sofa in your area is couch or love seat. And you have it named as a sofa and people are like, sofa, what is that? And so I don't think people would say, what is that to a sofa? But perhaps the way that you describe your product or the intended use that you buy the thing for needs to be changed as well. Like you might have bought something for a cocktail table or a high boy, but instead it works better as a podium instead. And so just looking at that is just something to take a look at before you officially say bye, see you later to the piece. Um, perhaps you might also need to increase the marketing on it as well. There's been certain pieces in our past that maybe we just didn't like it as much, or maybe it just didn't rent as much. And we thought, well, you know, it's probably been about a year since we marketed it. We don't see it on our Instagram anymore. And so people might forget that we had had it. Um, a few years ago, I went to a networking event that our company sponsored. And we had acrylic pieces probably for about a year or so before um, I went to this networking event. And I was there and someone was saying, oh, who are you? And I said, oh, I'm Cam um, with former beautiful Vet Reynolds, now Render. So I'm Cam with this company. Um, they're like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, actually, all this rental stuff that you see here, that's my company. And so we do sofas and we do blah, 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 blah. And she was like, the acrylic, that's yours. You do acrylic. I'm like, we've done acrylic for like the last year. So yeah, we do acrylic. And then we looked at our Instagram. We're like, it doesn't show that we do acrylic. So no wonder people don't remember that we have acrylic pieces. And so perhaps it's a marketing thing. Maybe that's why it doesn't rent as much. So understanding why it's not renting is just as important to um, should we purge it or should we kind of rework that item as well. So lots to do with purging, but it is certainly a part of this conversation when we're looking at our inventory. All right, Kaylee, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode all about purging pricing and increasing? I think just remembering, I, I know Cam talked about it at the very beginning, but the whole reason that you are going through this process and you're thinking through these things is just to be profitable, you know, and just to like really care for your company, care for your products, care for your people. Um, and that comes through profit. And that, um, unless you're a nonprofit, like you are in the business of making profit so that you can thrive as a business and the people around you can thrive in your business. And so I just, it can be a sticky topic. You know, it can be hard to tell your clients, hey, we're increasing our pricing. But really, um, if you're if you're really thinking through the quality that you're performing and the projects that you're producing, it shouldn't be this really sticky. You should be really proud of um, leveling up what you're serving for your clients. Right. All right. Well, I'm so glad you've been around for this episode. Um, if you are not at a place where you're ready to increase your pricing, go ahead and bookmark this episode. Come back to it. Um, and you might bookmark it for a year from now. Maybe you'll do your price increasing now and you need to come back to this episode in a year. So thanks for being a part of this episode and we will see you next week. Bye guys.